This episode of Watching the Throne is brought to you by you, the listener. We've chosen to keep the show ad-free and only ask for something small in return. Please head to iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. Those reviews really help with our exposure. And if you'd like to make a small monetary contribution, head to patreon.com slash Podcast, where you can donate increments of as small as $1 per month. Thank you so much and stay wavy. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name's Chris Lambert, and today we are doing a story with Spencer Wolf. Spencer, uh, introduce yourself to everybody. Hey, my name's Spencer Wolf. Uh, I'm a huge Kanye fan, obviously. I live in Kansas City, I work at a radio station here. And uh, more recently, I put a thread on Twitter that went kind of viral about uh, what I think Kanye is doing with recent comments and actions and why I think it's uh, performance art. Uh, so yeah, that's why I'm on today, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that thread really, I mean, it, it's almost like the little bit of light in Kanye's darkest hour in terms of people just being like, I've never seen such Kanye vitriol. And yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the theory really got people, I, I don't, it doesn't forgive everything that's been said in the sense of like, how could he say that or defend everything that's been said but it definitely makes it it gives people a different view of it yeah that's something i tried to do and i've seen some comments uh you know throughout twitter that uh you know kanye stands are trying to really you know reach to defend him or whatever it is and i'm I'm not trying to do that i don't think i try to make that clear in the thread that's not what i'm trying to do um i guess i'm just trying to provide maybe a different context you know, I, I, I do love Kanye, obviously, but I'm not trying to defend, uh, you know, the choice comments he made at TMZ, which I think a lot of people take from maybe my thread. And that's unfortunate. I, I tried to reiter- reiterate that again and again, but I'm not sure what else I can really do at this point. Yeah, because that's, that's something that saying like this is performance art doesn't forgive everything. It doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't absolutely. make something that comes off as bad good but it's just saying like his intention wasn't necessarily to do this where a lot of people are reading a very very negative intention behind what Kanye said yeah absolutely and I think like you said you know it it doesn't it's not forgiving it even if it's performance art you can still be upset at the piece itself you can still say well it's causing more damage you know than it's whatever it's attempting to do and you can still be upset uh with the comments he made that's that's totally valid and uh, I'm not trying to forgive those or make a defense for those. It's simply just trying to add a new theory of context. And maybe this is what he's doing. I personally think it is. But I'm not, again, not trying to defend his actions or his words. And that gets into a big conversation that Kanye has been pushing just about how how we interact with each other and how we converse with each other. It seems like there's no room for nuance in the conversation. Like the moment that you try to point out that things might be a little bit more uh, complicated than what they seem, that Kanye is just a monster, but is maybe doing this, that there's some people that want to engage with that, but then a lot that just really take it to the dramatic place. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it kind of comes down to, I mean, that's a really personal thing, I think. If you are willing to entertain this idea and think about it, uh, that's one thing. But if you already made up your mind about Kanye and about his comments, then you're not going to listen to any, you know, kind of logical explanation. Then I think, you know, there's really not much that can be done. It's really up to you. And that, you know, does go back to what you said. Is that part of what he's trying to do? Is this part of the, you know, conversation he's trying to start? Because something I tried to make clear in the thread and with this theory is that I'm not really sure what he's trying to do. I don't know what the ultimate you know goal of this is but i also think it's not really 
the artist's uh, job to explain it to us. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I said on Twitter, I think, you know, Picasso didn't have to stand by all his pieces and explain to you <laughs> what they were trying to do. So I don't think it's Kanye's job to explain it. But again, I'm not really sure what the overall goal of this is. Yeah, and that gets at like a pretty big debate with art, right? Because I think Kanye, as an artist, agrees with that sense. He's never explained his albums. You know, right. People were tearing into Yeezus. And the closest he got to explaining Jesus was just saying, like, I am a god. <laughs> like, Right. I, yeah, I mean, like, kind of the most, like, ludicrous, you know, brash statement you can make. Yeah, and it's just a lot of, you don't see novelists, like, Don DeLillo doesn't go out and explain every point behind Underworld or exactly. White Noise. You don't see uh, Paul Thomas Anderson explaining everything about There Will Be Blood. Exactly. Um, and on the other hand, though, like what Kanye, if this is performance art, right, his canvas is the American political climate. And, right. Uh, you get, well, which and, is why it's like the, you know, I think my theory is right. And if I think that looking at it, what he's trying to do is kind of like the biggest piece of art the world's seen, I think. And I'm not saying that to be hyperbolic or to, I don't know, dick ride, I guess you would say. Uh, but if you if you look at what he's trying to do in terms of this theory, if you believe it, then he's using the largest stage, the largest scale I think we've ever seen from an artist. Yeah. Um, there's a great YouTube video by The Most Unruly uh, that I think is coming out, or I got to see a little bit of a preview. I guess by the time this comes out, it'll come out, but, uh, it compares Kanye to Maria Abramovich. Yeah. Yeah. I think they just put that out. Actually. They, he, uh, the person who made that was messaging me on Twitter and was kind of asking me things about it. Oh. I think they even gave me some credits at it, but I retweeted it. So it's on my Twitter account. If you want to watch it as well. That's, that's awesome. He's part of a, uh, the Yeezus book that we're putting out. Okay. Which... Yeah, speaking of that, I just want to, I, I have nothing to plug, so I want to say I'm really <laughs> excited for you guys' Jesus book. Uh, to me, it's my favorite Kanye album. I think it's the best thing he's ever done. Uh, so when's, is that June 8th? Is that right? Uh, 18th. June 18th. I'm really excited for that book. Thank you. It's, uh, it's going to be really, really fucking cool. Like, there's, it's like 40,000 words, I think. Damn. Um, between Travis and I and Donald from The Most Unruly and mm -hmm. uh, Martin Connor, who's worked with Vox and runs rapanalysis.com. And it's just like yeah. this whole analysis of the album from like all yeah, these I different mean, perspectives. That's an album you could take. I could take hours talking about. Um, so I'm sure you guys put a lot of work and a lot of effort into that. I'm really excited to kind of see what you came up with. Ah. Yes, I'll uh, I'll send you some pictures when we're done with this, so you can awesome. uh, get a bit of the visual. Um, but with Maria Abramovich, uh, she's a really intense performance artist, and one of the things yeah. that the most unruly goes over is that she had this performance where she had a table lined with items, and she just mm -hmm. stood there, and anybody could come up and use those items on her, and. Yeah. Uh, one was a loaded gun, one was a knife, scissors, and there were more harmless things like markers and shit like that. Right. Um, and her putting herself in just that uh, vulnerable place was hailed as this amazing work and what an artist and all of this stuff. And that's such a small, intimate scale of the one-on-one. -on -one. And just what you're saying with Kanye operating on this huge level of performance art it's just really striking to see that one-on-one -on -one dynamic and then compare it to what Kanye's doing with like the national political discourse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, another thing she did, um, uh, Mar uh, Marina, am I saying this right? Abramovic? I think so. I don't know how to say I'm awful with names all the time. So, well, yeah, Mar uh, Marina Abramovic also did that. Um, the artist is present, which Jay-Z used for Picasso baby. And what she would do in that, uh, I think it was like 700 hours or so, you know, over the course of like two months, uh, she sat at this table at uh, MoMA, Museum of uh, Modern Art, and people were free to come in and sit across from her 
and just kind of do whatever they wanted to. And she would just sit there. And I think, uh, I believe Shia LaBeouf kind of drew inspiration from that for his, uh, from his piece. But that kind of goes back to this theory that if it seems crazy that a hip hop artist, that that's what you think of Kanye as would use performance art and his art, then I think you've already kind of lost it because we've seen it happen. We've seen Jay Z use it and they had a big dispute over Picasso baby and we've seen Shia Buff use it. So it's not this foreign idea that we've never seen this happen before and that, you know, Kanye is the first one to ever do this. So if you kind of consider that, I think that adds to, it's not that outlandish of a theory. Yeah, I, I agree. It's <laughs> that really puts it into, and that's one of the things that we talk about with the work we do on the show in talking about like Yeezus being a narrative album. There are people that are just like, Kanye's not that smart, or like, why does it other people, why don't other artists do this if Kanye's doing it all the time? It's like, right. other artists do do it in every right. other medium. And even in music, it's been done. It's just right. not done in the way that Kanye's done it to this point. And he's not some like unicorn. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I, I think people kind of see it. I think. Obviously, there's a lot of people um, who see Kanye as, you know, like Obama said, he's a jackass or he's an idiot. And a lot of people dismiss this theory or this thought about performance art because they have this preconceived notion that he's an idiot. And I see that as you kind of look at surface level Kanye. I think you see him and his music as radio songs. If you're used to hearing a song on the radio, you're used to a, a catchy hook and a verse. But you don't think much deeper than that. You don't really go much deeper and i think kanye you know obviously he's kind of railed against radio a lot more recently and said you know some pretty nasty things about radio and i think his point being is that it's kind of causing this view of him you know as a surface level artist where if you look deeper he's got a lot more to say as you obviously know yeah and just looking into any, uh, which gets into the whole conversation at all, like Kanye and Ye versus the people talks about, do you just read the headlines or the fine prints? Exactly. <laughs> and that goes for him as well. As you're saying, like people that just view him in that superficial way are just like, he's not capable of that. But anybody exactly. that knows his backstory right, uh, and knows... Uh, the interviews of people that have worked with him, like famous architects, famous artists, famous right. designers, and their comments about Kanye. Mm -hmm. It's hard to take away anything other than that Kanye is very well-informed about the things that he like studies and cares about and is very yeah. smart about them. Yeah, which, which you know, kind of goes to, I, I don't want to be, I don't know, sound too dramatic here, but it kind of goes back to how do you view a celebrity you know how do you view someone in hip-hop culture do you just view him as a rapper do you just view him as a musician because i think he's done a lot to try and break down that idea um but if you just see him as a rapper and musician if you compare him to other rappers and other musicians if that's all you're going to see then i don't think you're really going to get the point that he's trying to make you think you're going to have to be able to listen and understand what he's trying to do yes well, that's one of the strange things about, like, Ye versus the People to me, is that a lot of the reviews I read or articles I read about the song, people are just saying, like, what a bad song. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't necessarily view it as, like, I mean, it's music, but I don't right. view it as, like, him trying to make a song for our entertainment. You know, absolutely. And, you know, and to be fair, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that song. I don't think the music is very good, if you look at it from a... Mu musician rapper kind of standpoint i'm not a huge fan of the beat and i'm a, I'm a huge kanye fan i can say you know i'm not a huge fan of that beat but if you look at what he's saying and what ti is saying and it's obviously a lot more than just a rap song you know what i mean i think he just uses music as a medium to kind of get the message across especially in that song so if you just look at it as it's not a banger i'm not going to play it in the <laughs> club or it's not a radio song well then you're not going to get it you know in the first place yeah, it's it's it transcends just being like consumption. It's exactly. A, it's about adding something into the world that's going to create conversation. And I feel like uh, the same could be said about This Is America, Donald Glover's song right. that just came out. Like Absolutely. 
I don't think that's a particularly great song to listen to. Right. But I find it amazing. Yeah, and accompanied by the video, I mean, obviously he's trying to do something similar, you know, have a you know conversation or spark a debate, you know, through the song and through the video, which is if you haven't seen it yet, you need to watch it immediately. I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, but yeah, he's trying to do the same thing, and that's another thing that has been such a weird conversation over the last couple of days is this comparison of Donald Glover and Childish Gambino to Kanye, and it's it seems like you can't like them both. Or I've seen people say that Gambino's the genius that Kanye wants to be. I don't. I don't understand this comparison you you have to make between the two. I, I, I you can appreciate both of them. Yeah, I think both have done their own things and different things. Like, yeah. As much as I love Glover, he hasn't had an album that scratches. I don't think like College Dropout is lowest on the totem pole for me in terms of Kanye albums. And right. I still think College Dropout's better than Donald Glover's best album. Yeah, absolutely. I thought about that last night, too, and I went back and kind of looked at uh, some of Gambino's albums. I mean, you'd have to talk about Camp. You know, you'd, you'd have to think about Camp, which I think has a few decent songs, but it's nothing really interesting. It's nothing that's adding a ton to this artistic vision. I think it was kind of a radio album. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think he's gotten better, but yeah, to compare the two, yeah, like you said, you'd have to take kind of the lowest album for Kanye, which would be uh dropout, which would be kind of his, you know, radio album, his kind of levels, you know, surface kind of album and compare it to Gambino's. I think even then it's miles ahead of it. Yeah. But they get at different things. Like, I don't know if Gambino up till this point would have the, the music, videos that Kanye had had or the concerts that Kanye has had, but he has TV shows and that's because like Glover has that writing and narrative TV mentality and is great at it. I don't think Kanye is going to make a TV show as good as Atlanta. No, absolutely. I I said the same thing last night to my girlfriend. I think Donald Glover is incredibly underrated. I think Gambino is kind of overrated, but I will say this is America has, you know, made me rethink that. That's a that's an amazing song. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love Community. I love his writing. I love Atlanta. I think he does incredible work. Uh, but as Gambino, I'm not completely sold yet. Yeah. But then having that conversation show up now with like, he's a genius that Kanye wishes he could be. It's just, again, so polarizing in the extremes and not looking at the nuance of each of them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I, I said, I work in radio and I work at alternative radio and that's more my background and it's not something that we see i don't think you know if a band comes out with a great song and then if you know a few months later another band comes out with a different song you don't immediately draw comparisons because they're alternative rock music (laughs) but we do that with rap a lot which i think gets into a deeper question that you know you talk about at a different, different different time but i mean why do we compare rappers so much and why do we compare these two black men so much i think that's a kind of interesting question that gets into what we were talking about before starting to record regarding the ta-nehisi coates article that came out today about kanye right where the visual for the article and this is coates really like politely destroying kanye on like a psychological and soul level Mm -hmm. Um, but the main image accompanying the article is Kanye in the rain looking up and the Mm -hmm. water that hits his face is washing the black skin away uh, to reveal a white layer beneath. And you had a really great point about that regarding politics. I did. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, regarding like, uh, voting, like if, uh, Oh, right. We don't say that about like a white person that would have voted for Trump or Hillary or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a really weird thing. And you know, I can't speak much to you know race in America. I'm a I'm a white middle class man who was born in America. I'm extremely privileged, and I understand that, so I can't speak too much to it. But I think it's strange, you know, that this image. You know, I haven't read the article yet. I just saw the image, and the image of him having the black washed off him. And from what I saw in the first few paragraphs, there's some comparisons to Michael Jackson, who some would argue was trying to turn white. And 
that idea to me is so strange because if there was a white person, you know, to say who, you know, was, was maybe big in conservative politics, like take a Tommy Lahren or something. And if she decided that she was now a, a fan, a supporter of Hillary or Bernie, to say that she was no longer white or that she was no longer welcomed in the white community just seems like such an offensive and absurd thing to say. And I mean, this, I don't know if this is exactly what they're trying to do, but by washing the black off his skin, you're, you're kind of calling the guy an uncle Tom, which I think has some people have been doing lately with some of his comments, which is such a weird thing, you know, because of something he said or something he did, which hasn't really been understood yet to say that he's no longer black or that he's no longer a part of this community seems, I don't know, really, really quick and really, I don't know, offensive to me at least. Yeah, that's, uh, it's troubling to me. like to the fact that just, and again, it's not, it's just the extremes that people immediately go when something is said or done without looking at why it was said or done. And knowing that Kanye's entire history, it's not like he has a history of like a Nazi person and is saying something else that's egregious. And you're like, who the fuck is this guy like that has these horrible views? Like we've agreed with his views for so long. And right. Go back and listen to crack music. Listen to crack music and tell me. That, you know, he's always been a the racist or he's always been a supportive of this conservative movement. I mean, he's done work after work after work that has some pretty radical left-leaning ideas. Yeah. And so rather than kind of take his whole career and try to put that in perspective with what he said recently, we just automatically take what he says recently and flip that into he's no longer black. Yeah, I, that's, that's shocking. Like, absolutely really shocking. Is. Yeah. Um, and I get being like, as we, as we said at the beginning, I get being angry with it. I get calling it out. Uh, I just don't get the wholesale destruction of the image and character and career. Yeah, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with that. Hmm. Hmm. What a, it's been a few days now since the theory you posted the performance art theory on Twitter. Uh, based on all the comments, yeah. based on looking more into it, uh, what's jumped out to you uh, around that conversation or surprised you about the conversation? There's honestly been a lot of things that I've found uh, since then that people have commented on Twitter, people have added uh, to the subreddit or what, whatever it may be that I think kind of adds to it. And one of the main ones, I think kind of one of the most important parts that I don't know if enough people kind of noticed it, uh, but Luke Turner commented on my post. And Luke Turner is a, I think he's a performance artist, but he is the one who conceived the idea of um, He Will Not Divide Us with Shia LaBeouf. He works very closely with Shia LaBeouf Mm. and kind of helps him with his performance pieces. He commented on it and said that Kanye was originally the person in mind to do He Will Not Divide Us and that they had met with Kanye and they had talked about this and the whole idea was conceived. Around Kanye. Yeah, enough people didn't notice that. And I retweeted it and tried to say, like, guys, look at this. This is a big kind of clue here. But not enough people saw that. And so I kind of engaged with Luke Turner on Twitter. And you can read the threads. Uh, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm clear about this. Luke Turner doesn't support what Kanye is doing. He says he's way off his mark and he's doing more damage. So I don't want to misrepresent what Luke Turner said. But the idea of He Will Not Divide Us was originally conceived with Kanye. And they had met and talked about it. And it was a few days later uh, when Kanye famously said on stage, I didn't vote. If I did, it would have been for Trump. So the idea that he would meet about this and talk about this, which is clearly anti-Trump, and then a few days later, completely change his stance is kind of crazy. But yeah, I talked to him about it on Twitter and said, do you think this is what Kanye is trying to do? And he agreed that, yes, I think he's he considers that he's engaged in, in some kind of performance art. And he even said the uh, the notion of Joseph Boys, which we can get into later, actually stemmed from him and Shia. And Shia LaBeouf has a tattoo of I Like America and America Likes Me on his arm. What the fuck? Yeah, I think that was a huge point not enough people noticed. This is blowing my mind, especially with uh, – did you see the news articles from – 
I think it was like two months ago or a month ago about how Kanye had raided Shia's closet. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. They had a uh, yeah. He, I think he asked him at one point if he could borrow his clothes, and he says on. God, forgive me. What song is it now? Is it? It's not. Is it Thirty Hours? He said, "I wish I could dress like Shia LaBeouf." I don't think it's Thirty Hours. Maybe it's No More Parties in LA. It's something off Pablo, I think. But he mentions, you know, dressing like Shia LaBeouf, and they have there's images of them wearing the same hat that you know I guess Kanye had taken from LaBeouf, and so I mean, yeah, they have some kind of history. And I know Shia had said they had met backstage at one point and talked, and Kanye had asked for permission to kind of use his clothes. So yeah, there's definitely some kind of relation there. They've they've at least met and have had conversations before. We know that. Yeah, and that Shia has inspired Kanye, <laughs> at least yeah. in fashion. And then to think that Shia is such a fan of boys that he has the tattoo, that Kanye had that meeting. Right. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes if you can find it, I checked my Twitter and look at the Luke Turner tweets where he says, you know, that idea was conceived with Kanye. And again, I want to point out, he completely disagrees with what Kanye is doing and says he's doing the wrong thing and that boys would be upset about what he's doing. But he does say, like, I think this is what he's doing. So if we take that and take it with what we mentioned about uh, Marina Abramovic earlier, he's, you know, talked to performance artists. He's considered performance art before. And something else I've noticed that I didn't know before, uh, and Luke Turner mentions it on Twitter, that he warned him about against uh, working with Vanessa Beecroft, who I was not familiar with before. Do you know Vanessa Beecroft? I only know – well, I know her and Kanye have an extensive history of working together on uh, Yeezy season shows. Yeah, exactly. And I I'd never heard her name before, uh, but Luke Turner mentioned her and said he had warned Kanye not to work with her because he sees her as some kind of – I won't say white nationalist, but I think he said something about an Aryan superhero. She kind of sees herself as, I don't know, some kind of race-related thing. But I looked her up, and yeah, like you said, she had she had actually designed uh, the release of all the Yeezy seasons. And they went back to the release of 808s is when they first worked together. And then uh, she's also, she was on his payroll this whole time. And yeah, she does all the Yeezy seasons. She did uh, the design for the Yeezus tour. I think might have done the Pablo tour as well. Uh, and it wasn't until recently that she was off the payroll, which she says is uh, Kim Kardashian when he, she kind of looked at Kanye's finances as he <laughs> illustrated on Pablo and said, you know, uh, she had took her off the payroll. But so we know that he's worked with a performance artist. That's what Beecroft is. That's what she does with her own art. We know that he's inspired by Marina Abramovic. And we know that he's met with Luke Turner to discuss performance art. So the idea that he's not doing performance art is, is kind of ludicrous. It's something he clearly has considered in the past, something that's been on his mind for a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, that seems <laughs> really hard at that point to disconnect all of the influences that he's had in that arena and people that he's had in his world Right uh, from that world, and I right. think that he's taken inspiration from that. And then, I mean, something that's being discounted: he's married into the Kardashian family, which, right. I mean, their reality TV is a more basic form of performance art, but still, at the end of the day, that's very much performance art. Yeah, I see people make that argument too, and I'm not really familiar with the Kardashians that much or the show. I mean, obviously, I'm aware of what it is and who they are, um, but I've seen people say, like, you know, this is something they they do regularly. If it's scripted or not scripted, they do performance art, you know, depending on how you define that term. But they do some kind of performance art, and it's documented on a television show. Yep, and man, and just, I know that Kanye has had uh, infatuations with architecture. And right. that's gone on to influence uh, album covers of his. It's influenced right. homes he's done. It's influ- he said it was his biggest influence on Jesus was that lamp. This, you know, that uh, I can't remember the artist the now, but it was that sword. one. Yeah, that lamp he had. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, architecture does that for him. He worked with two of the biggest architects in the world on designing the Jesus stage as well with Beecroft. Right. Um, and then 
Uh, furniture has become a huge thing for him. And he studies furniture, meets with furniture artists, has been designing furniture. It just right. seems whatever enters his realm influences right. him. And that he's been working around all these performance artists. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean, he bought he bought acres and acres of land. He said on the Charlemagne interview, they're going to build cities. He's getting into real estate development. So again, that goes back to those people that automatically uh, kind of ignore this idea. And they just see him as a rapper. And they just see him as a musician. And he's not acting like other rappers. He's not doing other stuff, which I think he mentions on yay versus the people is it better if i rap about crack and this other stuff that you guys want to hear about so if you see it as just a musician and just a rapper then again if you don't look at any other stuff he's done like you said with the idea of architecture the idea of furniture or real estate he's clearly clearly more into this world than just music and just rapping it's very much about like art and aesthetic on a much larger scale. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. The thing with uh, Luke Turner that jumped to mind and him saying that Kanye is going about it wrong, it seems very much that, like, thinking about He Will Not Divide Us, thinking about Shia's, like, other performance art, that they're, and Marina Abramovic, that there's almost uh, an intimacy. Like, you, you control for a setting, almost and give the performance art its own space and world where Kanye hasn't done that. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think the same thing where Abramovic and maybe Beecroft, I'm not that familiar with her, but obviously Shia LaBeouf, like you said, have a more controlled setting. It's at a museum or it's at uh, a certain place in DC. It's, it's confined to a small place. And I think what Kanye is trying to do is just explode that. And put it on the biggest scale you could possibly imagine, which is kind of the world and media. I know that sounds hyperbolic, but I think that's what he's doing. And it's not unlike Kanye to kind of take a small idea and explode <laughs> it into something huge, obviously. Right. Especially like he will not divide us where it's just like, oh, we're going to have this like small room and table. And then Kanye's like, mm, no. Right. No, we're going to do right. it on stage at a concert. Like, Yeah, we're going to do it at the largest scale the world's ever seen. And if you think that's ludicrous, then you, then you, just, then you don't know Kanye, because that's exactly something he would do. And like I said in the thread, is it really so far, you know, so stretched to think that this, I, this guy who's been involved in furniture and architecture and real estate and shoes and fashion, is it such a stretch to think he would do the same thing, but with performance art on such a large scale? And I... I don't think it is. No, I don't. I don't think so either. Though I'm trying to think of like the boys' equivalents, where I like America and America likes me. Boys lock themselves in the room with a coyote for three days, right? Right. Like, is this the equivalent of if boys had just collected a bunch of coyotes and went into like somebody's home with them, or yeah. just released them into a town? <laughs> Right, yeah, I'm not sure like how you would compare the two. I mean, I think that's what he's trying to do. I think it's a modern take on that piece. But again, on a much larger scale, as opposed to just a room with the coyotes, I think the room is the media. I think he's letting the media kind of do the work form that the room would do and kind of confining this conversation. Ooh, that's fascinating. <laughs> I like that. Um, man, that Luke Turner stuff, that's going to... Ooh, that blew my mind. Yeah, like I said, not a lot of people noticed that. And I tried to like say, everyone, look at this. Like, this is a big part. But I didn't want to, you know, be too much about it because, like I said, Luke Turner does not endorse this and he's not uh, happy with what Kanye's doing. And this is a guy who clearly knows about performance art, who's very invested in it, has a lot of personal feelings. So I don't want to misrepresent him. And I don't want to like plaster it all over Twitter and say, look, this is, you know, this is more evidence for this theory because I'm not sure he believes that. But he did say, you know, this is what he thinks Kanye is doing, but he's going about it the wrong way. Yep. Which, I mean, we'll s either way, that's helpful, I think, because if it's the wrong way, it at least points to maybe a right way. Yeah, exactly. And that's something I thought about, too, is that, you know, again, with the with the slavery comments, um, with, with not trying to defend them, I kind of see it as um, maybe he lost sight of the line of this character. Maybe he lost... Uh, you know, grasp of who this character is. And you mentioned earlier, 
P.T. Anderson and There Will Be Blood, it's kind of like, you know, obviously um, Daniel Day-Lewis is a method actor and he plays Daniel Plainview. And there have been reports of him, um, I think it was when he was on Gangs in New York, where he gets in fights with people uh, on the staff and on the cast because of how far he takes this character. But it's all for the art. And I think possibly that's what Kanye is doing. Maybe he's lost grasp of this character. Maybe he's lost sight of the line where he's just taking it too far. And it's his kind of metaphorical fights uh, with the cast. And I think that's something, you know, I, you know, I think the people that are helping him with this, if there are people like Tremaine Emery, like it says in the thread, I think they kind of owe it to him to kind of help him find that line and kind of help him get control of the character to make sure it's uh, being as productive as they want it to be. That's what's been interesting to me after the TMZ uh, interview that took things to such a negative place is that night we saw the energy meeting photo, which was part of your thread where Tremaine Emery was there, which uh, after that meeting, it's definitely been a different approach for Kanye so far. He's going back to quieter social media presence. Right. Um, He's really been picking his spots with things. And just was that the meeting of like who else <laughs> were those other performance artists? Were those like the people that are part of the the piece? And he was just giving a little bit of insight into the the think tank behind it. Yeah, I was curious about who those people were too. I don't know if I've seen anyone identified yet, but I was curious who they were too and what their backgrounds were, and if that was kind of like a emergency meeting. I said some crazy shit. We need to figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I mean, but yeah, you're right. After that happened, I think my thread went up the next day after that. And after that, um, I know Tremaine's Twitter has looked a lot different. There hasn't been as many kind of overt clues in my mind. Uh, Kanye does seem to have kind of calmed down. He's poking fun of himself with the SNL sketch, you know, retweeting that. So I think that might have hopefully helped him get grasp of this and hopefully find the line again if that's what they were trying to do. Yeah, I do wonder. And he went back to Wyoming as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, back to Wyoming to work on, you know, I don't know if it's his record or if it's some of the other five albums he's putting out. But yeah, he's back in Wyoming (laughs) and working on music. Man, this is going to be a crazy next couple months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Yeezy season approaching is an understatement at this point. (laughs) Yeah, who would have thought that, like, Yeezus was a toned-down example of Kanye West? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that seemed like the farthest you could possibly take this egomaniacal narcissist. And I mean, it seems like he's even going farther with that. And if that's the case, I mean, this album could be so polarizing. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Daniel Day-Lewis story, just because it's, right. it's my favorite. Is... Yeah, I love Daniel Day-Lewis, love Pete Anderson, anything you got, I'd, I'd love to hear it. When they first started filming There Will Be Blood, uh, Paul Dano was it the initial uh, actor playing. Oh, right. He was playing the brother, right? Uh, he wasn't involved at all at that point. Oh, okay. okay he was yeah. just... Uh, he. There was another actor cast to play the... I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Whatever Eli. The, Eli, thank you. And uh, I guess for the first week of filming, or first two weeks of filming, uh, between takes the kid would just look over and Daniel Day-Lewis would be staring at him. <laughs> <laughs> like, in character. Just murderously staring at And that actor. led him to kind of withdraw from the film? Yeah, he quit. God. He, and they were like, who's somebody weird enough to be into this? Paul Dano. Let's get you. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Daniel Day-Lewis obviously goes to extreme lengths. I saw, you know... That he at one point was running around, I think it was LA, like covered in sweatpants and sweatshirts, and he would run until he would pass out. Or that he would walk around New York just drenched in cheap cologne and, and, and try and pick fights, and he was drunk on the street. And that he just, you know, takes that character so far. But the ultimate piece comes out months later when he's kind of back to being himself. So he doesn't really have to answer for some of those antics, you know, where someone like Kanye is being followed by paparazzi and media constantly so i think it's a lot different you know if he was doing method acting like daniel day lewis was um it's obviously gonna be picked up a lot quicker and start a lot more conversations than daniel day lewis does 
Yeah. And then because Daniel Day-Lewis is an actor, people are just like, oh, he's being an actor. Where- exactly. Exactly. You know he's an actor. He's won Academy Awards. He's regarded as one of the best actors. So you kind of let it fly. You know what I mean? But at the same time, when he's in character, he doesn't break character. He's not telling you at that point, you know, hey, don't worry about it. I'm doing method acting and this is just part of the character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Could you imagine? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that would kind of that might ruin a lot of it, I think. And I don't know if we get such great performances out of him. Uh, hey, I'm doing method acting. It sounds like something uh, David Cross and Arrested Development would say. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, with uh, you know, I mentioned Jim and Andy in that thread as well, and I know Questlove said he thinks Kanye saw that on, that kind of spurred this on, but if you watch Jim and Andy, you know, Andy, a known performance artist, and Jim being a method actor, really, really went into that role, and a lot of people think he never really came out of that role. But if you watch that, when they're making the movie and Jerry Lawler is on set, Jim is playing Andy Kaufman and is kind of antagonizing him. I guess I should say he's playing the character Andy Kaufman was playing. And he's constantly antagonizing Jerry Lawler to the point that they get on fights on set. And Jerry Lawler said, hey, listen, Andy knew when to turn it off. You know, backstage, Andy would, you know, be nice to me and say, you know, sorry about that, where Jim wasn't doing that. Jim was just going farther and farther and kind of slapping him and saying these mean comments. Um, I think that kind of fits into it, too. You know, is he's not going to break character. He's not going to say this is what I'm doing to kind of make you feel better about it, because that's going to ruin what he's trying to do. So if that's something Kanye is trying to do. Then I don't know if we're going to see him ever sit down, you know, with a. Uh, I don't know, Oprah or something and say, guys, let me explain myself. This was method acting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. When I, when I go out and do this thing tomorrow, just know that it's, that it's my character. Yeah. And so that's something, you know, I've wondered like, is that why we saw the tweets of Kaufman? Is that why we saw the tweets of boys? Was that a kind of metaphorical dog whistle to, you know, hardcore Kanye fans that, Hey, don't worry, I'm still here. You know, I, uh, I haven't lost it. Yeah, I I like to think so. But then, of course, there's going to be people that are like, you're crazy. No, he's just, it's like, yeah, we don't we don't know enough yet. Right. And I get that. Like, you know, I'm, I put a lot of stock into those images. I put a lot of stock into some of the emojis, which is a absurd thing to say on its own. <laughs> and like, I know that it's looking far into it, but I think I'm right. Yeah, I, I think you're right as well. Um the Jim and Andy stuff actually gets at one of the interesting aspects of it all to me. And I, I hope I can put this eloquently enough. Mm-hmm. But the thing that fascinated me was that uh, Jim Carrey was coming at Andy Kaufman from the secondhand experience, from exactly, getting to yeah. see like the outside displays of Andy Kaufman, the character of Andy Kaufman, rather than Andy Kaufman the person, which is best exemplified by... Uh, Jerry the King Lawler, right? Right. Like, hey, this wasn't... I was there, and this isn't right. Right, and, exactly. And that's the point I tried to make, too, where he's he wasn't playing Andy Kaufman. He was playing the character Andy was playing, if that, if that makes sense. I know it's kind of a word riddle, but he was playing the character that he saw, because I don't know if we have footage of Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler backstage joking about things. You know, he doesn't know that side of Right, and it's not like Jim went and did that research with Lawler and said, like, okay, this is the character we saw, but who was right. it that you saw so I can get that? And I almost feel right. like that's how people are viewing Kanye, is, like, the character rather than the person, where it's like, I don't know, there's something, like, where are the Jerry Lawlers in the situation yeah, you know, I think about that too, and I, that's kind of, I've wondered, you know, what Kim's reaction is and everything, and what Chris Jenner's reaction is and everything, and they seem really calm by it. I know she had apparently called him and said, hey, clarify your statements on Twitter, <laughs> but they seem really calm about all of this, and also Adidas, the way they responded to all this, uh, you know, a lot of people called for Adidas to drop him after the slavery comment, and they apparently chosen not to so i think that coupled with the way uh, the kardashians and the jenners have responded kind of makes me think that 
that's their Jerry Lawler backstage with Andy Kaufman. Does that make sense that he's kind of let them on it? Maybe Adidas called and said, hey, what the fuck is going on? What are you doing? <laughs> and he said, guys, listen, listen, listen. This is all a piece or whatever. And he explained it to them. But to, for them not to drop, not even drop them, but didn't really seem like they were mad. I don't know if they issued a statement. It doesn't seem like they did. Um, but again, for Chris Jenner to go on Ellen and say, like, you know, he'll explain himself when it's ready. And for Kim to kind of just seem calm with all this makes me think that they're kind of aware of it. Yeah. That's a good point as well. It's just like when you're looking for the the canary in the cage, right? Exactly. Yeah. Though yeah. Maybe they're just great at PR. and Yeah. Uh, that's their way of maintaining their image in the face of whatever Kanye is doing. But again, it that's just comes true. back to yeah. we just don't know enough yet. Yeah, I mean, those people are obviously very well-equipped and familiar with how to deal with press and publicity. Uh, so maybe that is just their way of saving face. Like, you know, it would be kind of insane for Chris Jenner to go on Ellen when they ask her about it. She's like, I have no idea. Kanye's lost his mind. Like, that's not something they would probably do. You're right. So that could easily just be them saving face. Or it also could be they're aware of what's going on and they're kind of letting him do his thing. Yep. Man. I'm excited to see how these next couple months play out. Yeah, I am too. And that, you know, a point I tried to make too that I thought maybe kind of got lost, and I try and mention it in the article I wrote for Pigeons and Planes. Um, I don't know if the album is his prestige, as people have kind of come to call it now. His prestige is the kind of moment where he reveals the trick. I don't know if that's what it is. You know, I said on the thread, like, is this his prestige? You know, is the album his prestige? Could that be the time where he comes out and says, you know, fooled you or got you or whatever. I don't know that it is, you know, Andy Kaufman never broke character. And a lot of people think he faked his own death. And that was the only way he could really break character, uh, was to kind of just go away. So I don't know if Kanye's ever going to say, you know, this is what it was, but again, it's not really up to the artist to describe the work. It's kind of on how you interpret it. So I believe this is what he's doing. And I have kind of come to, understand it from that standpoint and kind of view it through that lens. But I don't know if there's ever going to be a big reveal. And I hope people realize that, that if the album comes out and it doesn't do that, that doesn't mean this isn't what he's doing. And I made the point with Joaquin Phoenix too. When Joaquin Phoenix was doing his performance art, when he quit acting and was just rapping and we found out later it was for that movie, I'm still here, which he did with his brother-in-law, Casey Affleck. I'm Still Here wasn't a big reveal. It was just a documentation of his piece. It wasn't him saying, hey guys, let me explain myself. You know, I was just playing a character. It was just the overall uh, synopsis of what he had been doing. So I don't know if the album is the same thing. It might be the overall synopsis. It might be the biggest piece he's put out yet. Maybe he goes even farther and says some more crazy shit. You know, I'm not sure that's going to be the reveal, but I don't think we should let that be the deciding factor and whether or not this is performance art or not yeah put all the eggs in one basket of like we'll see that completely just invalidates every theory it's like well no this could still just be a part of the whole yeah i've seen a few people say on twitter like we'll see when the album comes out you know excited for this album and hopefully he tells us then but i'm not i don't know if that's going to be and i actually lean towards it's probably not going to be a big reveal um you know, I've seen people put the theory out that the big reveal will be at the midterms, and this has all been used to kind of wake people up into voting. So, I mean, I don't know. And maybe the I saw someone even say the prestige is going to be his run for presidency. Maybe that's his prestige. So I don't know that the album is going to be that. Uh, I personally kind of like for it to be because I, I like explanations for art. I don't understand <laughs> it that well. Uh, but I don't know that it has to be or that it's going to be. Yeah, I I agree with that. Like, I mean, ideally you do have some kind of anchor that gives it a sense of like beginning, middle and end. Right. But sometimes it's just I think in performance artists would probably go along with this that there's a an ephemerality to some art where it just existed in the moment that it existed in. Exactly, and yeah. It doesn't need further explanation. It doesn't need to have uh, a climactic end. It can just kind of right. drift, and you're like, "What was that about?" And it's like, "Well, that was that was this." 
Yeah, I was talking to a coworker about that, and he kind of said the same thing that he thinks eventually, whether it's a hundred years from now, that this time will be regarded as it was performance art. That it will be kind of uh, accepted that it was performance art. But right now, you know, in the know, and something I mentioned in the article too, you know, when Andy Coffin was doing this, it, there was no Twitter, there was no, you know, smartphones in your hand. It was played out through the TV and the newspaper and in your homes, and it kind of maybe took a while. You had to sit down, you know, with your uh, significant other at home and kind of talk about what you just saw on SNL or The Tonight Show. And you kind of had to, I guess, come to your own conclusions, where now you jump on Twitter and kind of see what everyone else is saying. And maybe you take those as, uh, you know, a a thorough analysis and kind of accept that as the answer, where it, it wasn't like that in the past. And that may play into what he's trying to do as well, you know, how do we use media in our society today? And dude's been obsessed with media for a long time. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of Kanye, obviously you know his relationship with the media has been uh, tumultuous, I guess, to say the least. You know, and he clearly is aware of the media and he clearly references the media and he cares about how he's seen in the media and is upset by how he's seen in the media. And he's got a very long history relationship with media it's still the thing that like jumps out to me whenever not that i not that i waver but whenever i'm thinking about like oh no i guess like it's it's fine to waver in that idea of like is this or isn't it but the thing that i always come back to is it just the theory but this idea that the same day as the charlemagne interview is the same day as the tmz interview Exactly. And you know, I, I thought about st- that as well. Yeah, I can't get over yeah. that. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't include that in the original thread. I didn't put it in the article because I wanted the article in the thread to kind of be as strong as it possibly could. So I tried to use the the most obvious uh, evidence I could find. But I do really think that it's coincidental, at the very least, that the TMZ interview was the same day as the Charlemagne interview. And to me personally, I think this might be where you're going with it. The Charlemagne interview was recorded, I think, six days before it came out. And then it came out on the 25th, I believe. And everyone that watched it kind of agreed, this guy doesn't seem insane. He seems completely rational. And he seems like he's not having a manic episode. He seems like he's got all his wits about him. And the same day, he goes to TMZ and just says some of the craziest shit you could say. And I always saw that as uh, making sure he was still being perceived and the character he wants to be perceived in. Maybe the Charlemagne interview uh, came out and normalized him too much, and so he wanted to make sure he was still being seen. Because for him to go on Team Z in the first place is kind of crazy. Like they should be begging to get him on. Like he doesn't need to drive down there and go on TV. You know what I mean? Like he can walk in there whenever he wants. For him to do it that day seemed really coincidental to me. Yeah, it's just, and I don't even know if it was about. Um, reestablishing the character or worry about that but the point was the juxtaposition of like yeah absolutely look you just saw the humanization of me right and now what's it mean when I go and come off in this way like what do you believe this interview or this interview yeah that's a really good point I really thought about you know the fact they're on the same day where one is so you know humanizing and the other one is just completely uh, breaks down everything you've thought about what you just saw from the Charlemagne interview. Yeah, maybe that juxtaposition was intentional of just, look, this is what the media can do. You know, it depends what lens you view it from. If you view it from the Charlemagne interview, which is, I think, like two hours long, or if you view it from a 30-minute piece that was on TMZ that was heavily edited, you know, they can change, you know, the way you see someone. Maybe that was what he was in, uh, intentionally trying to do. You're right. It just seems like two, like the two dynamics of them, like one is like a journalist coming down and doing a sit down, like thorough two hour conversation, which is probably even longer than what we saw. Yeah, absolutely. And the other one is like in the paparazzi, like right in their cave, like giving them like the gory details of things like the liposuction and opioid addiction and saying like the slavery comments that's just absurd on a whole other level than anything Kanye said before like going on with Candace Owens 
Yeah, yeah, bringing her was a big piece of it too. I think, you know, I never really thought about it like that, but I think you're absolutely right. I think the juxtaposition was what he was trying to do of showing how the media can kind of frame someone and how you kind of take, you know, you get your perception and you you kind of establish this persona in your mind based off what you see. And if you see it on the Charlemagne interview, you see him as a very conscious and thoughtful person where the TMZ is just fucking crazy person. <laughs> complete opposite. He never raises his voice once in the Charlemagne interview. No, yeah. I mean, the TMZ, he was very, very... I mean, he said he was going to stand on the chair, but he would be viewed as crazy. He said he would... You know, he was standing up and yelling at the room and talking to employees. And, I mean, just very, very erratic. We were right. The Charlemagne interview was a very calm sit-down with Charlemagne and very soft and calm and well-spoken just leaves me wondering man <laughs> leaves me wondering yeah uh, uh, yeah i'm you know i'm excited for the album regardless of whether it's a prestige or not you know just as a kanye fan i'm excited for the album but i'm really curious to see what he you know does with it speaking of uh Kanye fandom. I don't. I uh, I forgot to prep in the fact that uh, we tend to go over top uh, top five songs and top three albums, and then you get a last call where you get to talk about whatever you want. Uh, okay. And that closes out the show. So you you know it could be ten seconds. It could be five minutes. Um, but I think we're at the point where we get to get into what your top songs are, top albums, and get to the last call. Man, okay, yeah, I'd have to uh, have to think about that. I'd say top three albums. I think one is Jesus. Uh, I think two is Fantasy. And I would say, I guess three would either be Pablo or Graduation. Um, top five songs, man. That's hard. It really, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you know as a Kanye fan, it really depends what day you catch me on. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> it depends. I could be back, you know, in late registration. It really depends what kind of mood you're in. Uh, I, you know, for Carrington, who you had on, who's a coworker of mine, when he put out his bracket, my ultimate song uh, was Gorgeous. So I think that's probably my number one song. Um, Ultra White Bean is up there. Uh, Devil in a New Dress is up there. Blood on the Leaves is up there. And I think... Lost in the World and Who Will Survive in America are probably definitely up there in the top five. You got some of those epics. Yeah, yeah. I think Lost in the World and Who Will Survive in America is really underrated, in my opinion. Because, again, it's not... Uh, if you view Kanye as a radio artist and as a rapper, then you might overlook that song. But I think that um, those two songs really represent that maximalist approach he was taking on fantasy. I mean... If you listen to who uh, Lost in the World, Lost in the World. Am I saying the wrong song? Lost in, Lost in the World, right? Yeah, the the one leading up to Who Will Survive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for somebody I thought I was saying the wrong song. Uh, if you listen to that from like a music standpoint, it sounds like it has probably two hundred different tracks on it. <laughs> I mean, there are so many melodies and overlying harmonies. And it is just so maximalist, which I think is what he was really trying to do with that album. And I kind of think it's why it's the last song. Um, I think the way he approached that was was just incredible. And again, if you see him as just a rapper, and if you're looking for club bangers, then you're, you're listening to the wrong artist and you're listening to the wrong song. Absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. Our episode, we just did a couple weeks back on Lost in the World, and it was... It had always been a favorite song of mine and of Travis's, but right. just doing that kind of like line by line deep dive, what it does yeah. is pretty spectacular, especially with the music video. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible. And I know that uh, going back to uh, Vanessa Beecroft, I know she did a lot of work for his music videos uh, on that album. I know Runaway was kind of her pet project, it seemed like, along with his. So... Again, I, it just ties into he's worked with performance artists in the past. It's clearly something he's interested in. Um, yeah. Damn. Damn. Well, uh, it's time for your last call. You can talk about anything you want to talk about. It doesn't have to be Kanye-related, but uh, you have the floor uninterrupted. 
and that'll close things out. Damn. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess you know, kind of been on my mind. It's been what I've been thinking about a lot lately with this theory. So I, I'll, I'll I'll just stay on that. I guess. Um, I, I I would just say again, something I try to make, you know, clear throughout this interview. If if you view Kanye as a radio artist and a rap artist, then I think you've already kind of let yourself down and maybe not given him enough credit for what he's trying to do. If you look at, you know, the art he's put out, and if you actually give a, not even a thorough analysis, but just a really surface layer analysis of what each album and each song was trying to represent, I think it becomes evident that this guy is an incredible artist who clearly has a message that he's trying to uh, put out. And when that changes, you know, throughout the years, and that changes, um, throughout his various levels of celebrity, which I think he's done over and over again. Uh, he ch- kind of changes the way he's talked about things based off how he's being treated and how he's being seen, you know, with his celebrity. I know you mentioned before, um, it's, it's a hard thing to keep doing over and over again, but I think he's done it in a really intelligent and clever way where I think someone <clears throat> like Jay-Z, which I know is a very debated topic, but I think someone like Jay-Z... <laughs> has done it over and over again in the same way to the point where I listen to 444 and just think, man, we get it. You're rich and you like art. I understand it. Like there's not much more detail. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm doing the same thing as I criticize. Maybe I'm not giving him enough credit and looking much into it. But I think uh, just the comparison of the two, I think one is really, really trying to give something to the world and give uh, a piece of himself through his art to the world and to kind of have this conversation. So I guess if anything, encourage your friends, your family, maybe someone who just says Kanye's an idiot, he's a jackass, just try and give them a way to listen to him uh, and kind of understand what he's trying to do. Try and give them just a really brief synopsis, I guess, of what you think uh, Kanye's trying to accomplish and kind of help them understand that this isn't just a rap artist. This is a great artist. And I think that will kind of help uh, the narrative that this guy's one of the greatest artists you've ever seen. You know, I feel like he's underappreciated right now. But I think we'll look back in 100 years and just kind of see him as ahead of his time. 